This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two lovely, amazing, beautiful humans, Brian Murray. Hello. And Kara Shamborski. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. Super excited that you're both here. Really excited to be talking about our Goodreads Book of the Month pick. But before we get to all of that, let me ask you the question I ask every single week, and it's my favorite question to ask to people on this show. How have you been? How have comic books been? Kara. I'm great. My life has changed forever. It's <laughs> <gasps> so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. I got a new job in California, so I'm moving out there in a few weeks. And like the second thing I did was start figuring out what comic shops that I can go to when I'm out there. <laughs> Priorities. So, Priorities. I so, love it. You know. <laughs> so that's me. <laughs> yeah, so now we're going to be like... We're going to be across the entire country. This is going to be the biggest show. Coast to you know, coast. We're going to be, exactly. Like, if you want I Read Comic Books, you can get it in almost every time zone at this point. I really <laughs> love that. Except for two. I so mean, you can get it in two out of the four time zones in the United States, we right? got it. I mean, I'm pretty sure they can already get it, Mike. Like, Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I don't think it has to yeah. record in your time zone to be able to download. <laughs> uh, well, I guess, okay, you know. Well, if we ever start doing live shows, I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking big. I'm thinking about the future, about the California road trip so that everyone can go see Kara and she can take a plane out and everyone can get join up in New York City or for some reason we'll all go to Chicago. We'll see. We'll get it all figured we out. We could but do all of anyways, those Anyways, Kara. Yeah, I would love this is this is 2018. I read comic books and making predictions already. Um, <laughs> I'll talk about more of that in the next <laughs> annual episode that we have. Anyways, comic books. How have you been, Carrie? You said you got a new job. What's been up with comic books? Oh boy. Uh, well, comic books for me right now has been like everything is Archie because you and I have been working on some very special <laughs> Archie comics minisodes. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. And I'm so pumped to be bringing those out because I just kind of assume that everyone knows what I'm talking about when I'm casually mm-hmm. referencing Little Archie, etc. And <laughs> yeah. no one has any idea. So apparently yeah, I if- had a very different childhood from the rest of my peers. <laughs> that's that's fine. You know, it's important that we all came from diverse, unique comic book backgrounds. I think that's great. <laughs> and look forward to that first Archie minisode. I think it should, with fingers crossed, should be coming out this upcoming weekend. Awesome. That's all I want from this world. <laughs> to share my knowledge from this very specific yeah. comic publisher. So what have you been reading? What do you what's what's been on your docket? Oh boy. Um I have been mostly looking at a giant pile of comics that I've gotten from from some kickstarters. I think the next thing I'm going to read is um Fashion and Action which Ooh. um was one of the things that uh Hope Nicholson kickstarted. It was a comic that came out in the 80s and I say that because it's possibly the most 80s thing I've ever seen in my life and (laughs) (laughs) um and it's like all about this covert spy team kind of like Charlie's Angels except they're all like dressed to the nines but like 80s style so think shoulder pads and then double that (laughs) the biggest hair you've ever seen yeah so um she got the original creator to like recolor everything and touch up some of the art and it's a really really beautiful book and I'm I've been like saving it for a special occasion so this is the moment and um for the for the Kickstarter tier that I backed I got the one that had like the custom makeup that was made like specifically to tie in with this comic 
and what? it's like <laughs> yeah it's all like a very it's like this blush and this eyeshadow that are both extremely violent shades of pink and so i'm like <laughs> excellent i'm really pumped about both of those so i figure like i'll do a day where i give myself a makeover and sit down and read the book awesome yeah. awesome yeah yeah <laughs> You also mentioned before we started the show, you reordered a copy of, what is this, Dennis the Menace in California? Can yes. you tell me what that is? <laughs> okay, so um, as listeners will find out in these Archie minisodes, I grew up having the advantage of reading comics that my mom and her siblings kind of grew up reading because my grandmother kept them. So I got to read a lot of stuff that came out in like the 50s, 60s, 70s um, that maybe wasn't getting republished in the 90s so think like yellowing pages like falling apart off the staples but you know you take good care of the comic and it's still a good story so one of my favorites was always dennis the menace in california from Fawcett comics like maybe you're familiar with dennis the menace from the movies that came out in the 90s about him but i know him from the comics and he's brilliant he's just like a brilliant character and he's just this little blonde kid who causes havoc. He's like the spiritual predecessor to Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. And, oh, gotcha. Yeah. And this was like some kind of like special, like annual type comic where it was like 80 pages. And the whole thing is just Dennis and his parents going on a road trip to California. And it's basically like a tour of California, but through the context of Dennis the Menace and his family going there. And Mm -hmm. so I have like very vivid memories of reading this comic. So when I found out that I got this job in California, I was like, where is our copy? Oh, no, it disintegrated. I must buy a new one. And (laughs) And so I found a copy online that I ordered the other day. But it's like, you know, like each story is they're in a different location. So they like start off in Yosemite National Park. They go to Gold Rush Country. Uh, My favorite story was always this one where they're at this like famous frog jumping contest and Dennis like <laughs> makes his frog win by shooting his slingshot at it over and over again. Oh my <laughs> God. So, you know, it's just like this really fun tour of California in the late fifties, like through the context of this Dennis, the menace comic. And I always adored it. And it just like, all of a sudden I just needed it desperately and luckily I was able to find a copy that wasn't too expensive although I suspect it won't be in the most superb quality but I'll, I'll live and uh that's, yeah that's fantastic yeah I'm pumped I'm re I left I found it on this like online comic shop and they were like you're about to complete your purchase do you have any comments and I was like I'm so excited you guys have this book I used to read it as a kid and the second I sent off that (laughs) comment I was like oh god they think I'm like some 65 year old man (laughs) 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 that's wonderful I I fully expect or I, I hope that as soon as you find some free time in California you'll try to visit as many of those locations that are in the comic if only to just to say that you did that would be magical don't pretend like that wasn't my plan originally (laughs) like i'm I'm basically using this book as my travel guide template (laughs) we'll get you a slingshot and everything Uh, (laughs) i'm ready angels camp i'm coming for you oh that's that's amazing (laughs) brian what's been up with you how you been man how uh how comic books been for you uh i've been pretty good coming off the end of uh hectic weekend here mm-hmm. uh, i was in chicago yesterday to go see hamilton that was very nice exciting uh if you get a chance to check out that show highly recommend it worth the price of admission 
Mm-hmm. As far as comic books are concerned, all I've really read in the past week or so has been the massive volume one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Wood and Christian Donaldson on that one. Um, there was no makeover required for me to read it, <laughs> mostly because I already kind of dress like I've been living on a boat in the apocalypse. Um, so you're ready. Yeah. Like, I, I came prepared for this book. Um, I guess not a not a huge fan. Um, I didn't dislike yeah. it for any reason. There was nothing wrong mm-hmm. with it that I could see. I just, by the end of the first volume, I wasn't really sure what the story was or where it was going and opted not to pick up volume two from there. Gasp. I, 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 I know. <laughs> I can't I know, remember Mike. if I've talked about this on this show before, but I actually did read that, but I read it in French. And, oh, really? Yeah. And I just got the sense that it was this very... Like, I don't know if it was just the translation or the way the book was to start with, but it just seemed like a very philosophical, vaguely existential way of telling a story. Oh, yeah. No, it's like a meandering tale, basically going like, yeah, man, look how fucked up everything is. <laughs> like, I mean, that's not a that's not a bad way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I, I can see the appeal, I guess, for some people. But mm-hmm. for me, that's not really what i'm looking for i'm looking for more of a fleshed out story that's fair understandable totally understandable i won't hold it against you for many many years i promise <laughs> you that <laughs> he said preparing to do exactly that <laughs> yeah he's just scribbling my name into a little book he keeps next to his desk yeah i have a list of people you know that it's just massive readers massive non-readers and um i'm sad to have to move you to the one side of the list that's all that's Aww. all i'm saying this isn't some Billy Madison scenario playing out. No, no, no. Don't you worry. I promise you. I'm not putting on lipstick, prepping my gun. It's all good, Brian. Don't worry. Go play that game show. It's going to be fine. Okay. Sorry. I'm really reaching for a joke there. Um, so uh, <laughs> I also liked Billy Madison 10 years ago. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I, that was, I was reaching very far for that. All I could think of is just Steve Buscemi. Um, and how magical he is. Anyways, well, um, for me, uh, this week's been kind of wild and crazy, but I did manage to sit down and read some comics. I did go to karaoke on Thursday, Ooh. so if my voice sounds a little strange, it's because I sung my heart out, and I sang a lot of songs that no one liked, which is apparently a lot of pop punk, and I can't believe that no one was singing along to Dance Dance With Me by Fall Out Boy. But, you know, like, you just pick you pick a crowd, you know? It's okay. Whenever I'm at karaoke, I either want to sing country songs or Frank Sinatra, so you can imagine how popular I am. <laughs> Last time I was at karaoke, I sang Mr. Cellophane from the Chicago soundtrack. Oh, that's a good one, though. <laughs> yeah, that went over like a sack of shit. <laughs> oh. We should go that, to, okay. we should have, the, when, when, whenever we all get reunited, we should have a bad karaoke everyone hates night and just oh my pick only the songs that we want to sing regardless of how popular they'll be and just heckle <laughs> the shit out of one another. I love this idea. So, this is, this is happening. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, well, other, outside of karaoke, I did read some books. Um, I sat down and read uh, Super Mutant Magic Academy by Jillian Tamaki which was a webcomic that was then collected into a like softback, very, very big book um, that has like a big tie-up ending 20-page story. Ultimately, I, I liked it. Like in the end, I liked the book on the whole, but there were some comics where I was kind of like, 
I'm either not smart enough to get this joke, not culturally aware enough to get this joke, or this is just not for me. And it kind of put me off in some of the early earlier strips in the book, but ultimately, I highly recommend it to people if you just want like an off-the-wall weirdo story about some teenage delinquents that are kind of like Daria and Jane from Daria, but they also can do magic. So that's maybe a bad way to describe it, but I, I really liked it It in the end. like the, By the end of the story, I was very, very happy with how it played out. So highly recommend that book. That's for a different book club that's not on this show, but it's it was a solid pick. Uh, I also read Giant Days Volume Five. Yay! Yay! This is the this is the best goddamn book in the entire it's world. So Absolutely. good. Consistently funny. Like all the characters are super rich. The wor- the, the the university world that they live in is super rich and fantastic. <sighs> Giant Days is such a good book. It's if you're so not good. reading that. You just feel uh, like I, you're with them. It's just yes. you dive right in for 20 pages. You have a rollicking great time. You wish your university experience was this full of pithy banter. And yes. then you're done. You're like, damn it, it's not next month yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, see, and this is the advantage of reading it in trades. I mean, I have to wait a little longer, but I get a very, very healthy serving of giant days every time. Uh, and I I just love how like just little bits of these these the, all the people in the book all their personalities I can just see in friends that I know mm-hmm. occasionally and it just warms my heart because like you said it does feel like you're just hanging out with some people that you know yeah. as you're reading this book it's so good so for yeah. listeners who haven't read Giant Days in a yeah, nutshell is a bunch of friends who meet their first year of university. And it's just like their slice of life figuring things out. My question for you, Mike, is do you have a favorite character? And if it's not Esther, I need to stop talking to you. Yeah, you will be judged harshly based on this answer. <laughs> oh, I feel... <laughs> I'm kidding. You, your favorite no, character really could be whoever scared. you want, but mine is very clearly and strongly Esther. Oh, see, now, I, now I'm blanking on everyone's name in the story. I, I, I you I can like describe. Susan. Susan's so cool. Who's, what's, who's the, the, pale, the pale girl? That's Esther the goth. That's, that's Esther. Esther. Okay, yeah, yeah. That Esther. Yeah, okay, that's what I was thinking. Esther is my favorite. I love her to death. Um, yeah, she's the she's by far the most ridiculous, and I and I and I love her. I love her because um, she's as dramatic as I aspire to be in yeah. dress as well as attitude. As, she's, as she's dramatic so... as you'd be if you could get away with it in day to day life. Exactly. Yeah, she's so she's so sporadic and. She 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 takes tangents on tangents on tangents in her life, and even when everything doesn't work out, she somehow manages to to play the world together. And of course, with the help of her friends, which is pretty much the like overall story that's happening here. Your friends will help you get by in life. But yeah, she's she's the absolute best. Anyways, we'll we'll get we, together a for a full thing. Giant Days episode later. Yeah, honestly, totally. you could do a whole Giant Days episode. That would be superb. Um, anyways, I also read Delicious in Dungeon Volume Two. Which, if you're a Dungeons and Dragons fan and you like cooking, this is the book for you. It's—I don't even know how to describe it. It's a manga, but it has that—that that shouldn't detract away from the fact that it is some of the most brilliant world-building storytelling that I've read in a very long time. And the author of this book, she really, 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 really digs on cool bits of biology and makes it play into how cooking works. So if you like cooking manga, if you're interested in like stories about cooking, this is a really fun take on that whole genre. And if you've never read anything like this, I honestly compel you, if you sound if you're interested in this at all, compel this compel I'm compelling you to buy this book. And if you don't like it, I will refund you the $15 
I'm putting the mic rap in like let's, demand or whatever that crazy is on now. this book. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm insane about this. This book is so good. I've every person that I've given it to has immediately gotten hooked. Making this guarantee before fleeing the country. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm already thinking of people who I could recommend this to. So this is this is good. I'll forward this episode around. Yeah, it's very very solid. Um, I I could sit and talk about this book forever. I think if you go read the synopsis and you get two chapters into this book, you will be immediately hooked, which is exactly what happened to me. So highly recommend it. Um, I also read Rat Rat Queens number five. I don't hate this book anymore. Issue number five totally just turned me around, and I'm I'm on board for at least a little while longer. This is this is the newest version of this. Yes, this is the newest, the latest incarnation of Rat Queens after the whole renumbering and drama that ensued in the book or with the book Mm -hmm. uh it's they skipped a bunch of stuff rewrote some canon to make the story work and ultimately there was a moment in this issue that had me like i had to get up out of my chair i was laughing so hard really and that's what i want out of rat queens and the first four issues didn't do it so much but in the fifth issue they they fixed things i don't know what happened curtis wybe he fixed it okay so i I, i'd say maybe give this trade a chance when it comes out all right um Finally, though, I got to plug Iceman number four, Cena Grace, Edgar Salazar. This book is so fucking good. It is the best X-Men book. I've. It's up there. G- Generation X and Iceman, top-notch books. That's all I'm saying. X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue, throw it away. It doesn't matter. Mm. You got to read a- Iceman number four. Is the this... The best... Ge- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Is this... Because I've been seriously out of the loop on X-Men stuff. Is this yeah. new Iceman or old Iceman? Is this the gay one or not the gay one? So, or is there something else so, happening? They're both they're both gay. Bob it's young like, Bobby like and old out, Bobby. Out and proud, Iceman versus less so. Yeah, so who okay. Let's see how quickly <laughs> I can do this. Yeah. Um Help me. So young Ice young Iceman, you know, he's out and proud, he's dating an inhuman. Um they have a great life and old Bobby now kind of has reconciled th- the fact that yeah, maybe he's been masking all of his unsuredness about his sexuality under humor and being a goofus and all this different stuff and he's kind of started to embrace who he is and in the new Iceman series uh, this is about the older Bobby and he is trying to figure out how he's how to be a teacher but at the at the X-Men Academy but also be himself figure out what's happening with his parents because he hasn't spoken in his parents for a long time they still aren't comfortable with him being a mutant let alone him being gay so and they don't know that he's gay so this book has been him trying to approach be like openly talking to them about that as well as getting them to understand that he's a mutant there's nothing they can do about it so this selena grace has been tackling this story like fantastically he's been utilizing all sorts of fun characters and new characters to put iceman in these situations where he has to make personal choices that are really really hard in order to better himself long term the first issue of course is uh, all about bobby so he signs up for the dating website just for men and he's been trying he spends the entire issue trying to write his profile and after oh. a series of things that happens he kind of goes yeah i don't really know who i am and that pretty much becomes his profile and it's really really cool so issue four i don't want to spoil it because the end was so fucking perfect i wanted to cry um but there's a gimmick at the beginning of the issue and it involves Bobby dressed up in a suit holding a giant ice sculpted horse. And I I, again, I laughed so hard I had to get up 
from my computer, walk away. It was so perfect. And I, I talked to Cena Grace about this issue when I met him at FlameCon um, two weeks ago. And I was just so happy with all the things that he told me about what's coming in this book. And he's like, oh, I, I brought Dokken into this issue because Iceman number four has Dokken on the cover, who is Wolverine's son, yada, yada. There's a whole other world of explanation to explain there, but just take it as it is. Um, and Dokken is this big, boisterous, in-your-face, like, I will, he's very, like, open with his sexuality, he's very, I think he's pansexual, he's just kind of, like, into being super pompous and overly everything. Um, and so he runs into Bobby in this, and he keeps constantly calling him Snowflake, and he's like, oh, you aren't really comfortable with yourself as a mutant, blah, 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 and he's like, I already know about all this different stuff. It's a fantastic issue. I'm telling you, Iceman. No, no, is you've the, already sold me on this. You so sold good. you sold me back so when you good. were like he's writing his dating profile. This is what <laughs> yeah. this is what I love about superhero comics is when they do stuff like that where it's like not like we're gonna do like angsty normal, but more like, you know, we're gonna do goofy normal. That's my favorite. Yeah. And Sign, he's signing up on mutantsonly.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah, so Cannot express how much I love this book. It is hitting me in all the right X-Men places. Um, so, yeah, read that book. Anyways, so comic books come out on August 30th, 2017. What are you both reading? Let's start with Brian. What is your pick for this upcoming week? My pick for this week is going to be Mace Windu number one. Yeah, it's got, it's got a longer full title that I didn't bother to, to learn uh, because <laughs> I'm definitely because never going to call it anything but Mace Windu. Right, right. Uh, but I'm excited for it because I feel like that's uh, written by Matt Owens, art by Dennis Cowan. I'm excited for it because Mace Windu is a character that I feel was very underutilized in the prequel trilogy. Totally. Um, I think that like they pitched him as this super badass who then sits in a chair for, like I think, all of his appearances except for when he's killed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, different experience if does. you watch the Clone Wars series, but yes, Mace Windu yes, is definitely not what he should have been. If I remember correctly, he does walk down a hallway with Yoda once. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, just no. putting that out there. If if this is like Clone Wars Mace Windu, then it's going to be a hell of a ride. Um, if it's more of movie Mace Windu, I'm going to be super disappointed. So what is the, I guess, what's the difference? What's the Mace Windu like in the Clone Wars series? I've, I've actually never watched it. Clone Wars is like, the first couple of seasons, they're definitely still gearing up, but it just continues to get better season by season. And mm-hmm. season six, what before I saw it, was described to me as like what the third prequel should have been. And that was so hideously accurate. Like by the time I got to the end of season six, I was so mad that a children's animated television program did a better job storytelling than like the multi-million dollar garbage fest that the prequel trilogy was. I say this as someone who lives and breathes Star Wars. Like, Like Clone Wars is just so painfully good compared to how painfully bad the prequels are. It's, it's like done, unfair. It's done so well that there are moments watching, especially like in that last season, where like I'm hoping, like I'm believing that things can be different than what the movie says actually happens. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> like, like I'm watching just, it. And I'm like, oh, maybe it'll be better this time, even though I, I it feel can't like be. When you're watching the prequels and when you're watching then the original trilogy, there's such a stark contrast between 
Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. But if you watch Clone Wars, I think they do a really good job of giving you like a believable arc for him as to how he got from whiny troubled brat to most feared man in the galaxy like the there's just so much they have so much more room to do character building and show you like the cold wars went on for years but in the movies they just tell you that in a little scrolly line thing like oh and then they had the clone wars and that was it but in the clone wars show you actually get to see it and see how it affects him so does the clone wars tv show take place between episodes two and three or between okay 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 yeah and so then the we'll Rebels many years. series takes yeah. place between three and four. There's this one, yeah, oh. there's this one episode of Clone Wars where, like, I basically was rolling around in my bed because I was just had too many emotions to process because in 20 <laughs> minutes, they did a more believable interpretation of Anakin and Padme's relationship than I ever saw on screen in the movie theaters. And it just wow. made me so mad because I was like, I understand their relationship and why they're, the, why they're together now and they have chemistry and this is beautiful and I understand why people ship them. <laughs> and then you watch the movies and you're like, you can both just be planks of wood. Like, I can't follow this. <laughs> wow. Okay, so Mace yeah. Windu is going to be exciting is what you're saying. Yes. It Brian. better be. <laughs> One hopes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's a less threatening way of saying that. (laughs) Yeah. Kara, what are you excited for this week? James Bond, Money Penny. It's a one shot. And uh, I just love James Bond as a character and as a franchise. I think those films are a really easy way to do like a cultural check in on how that particular decade was going at that time. And. So like uh, <laughs> so you know as as works documenting the uh the western ideals in the 20th and 21st centuries I think they're indispensable and that aside they can just be really good some of them are really terrible some of them are really good I've always yeah. enjoyed the character of Money Penny who is the secretary for M James Bond's boss and Money Penny and James Bond have always through the years had this like flirtatious relationship it's not really will they won't they although they kind of veered more that way with pierce brosnan in the 90s but mm-hmm. it was it was I'd more like eh, it's more like it's more like they're flirting with each other but she knows she's too good for him and he knows he's too messed up so nothing's gonna happen but they can like <laughs> enjoy the banter with one another gotcha and uh so i just enjoy whenever people like give her more due because she is an agent and in um what do you call it skyfall um the second most recent bond film you get to really see her in action and see that she's not just the girl behind the desk she makes choices she shoots bond and (laughs) it was a total accident (laughs) but you know she she's definitely like a worthy character so i'm excited that she's getting her own book even if it is just a one shot to see what they'll do with it yeah, yeah. I will say, having read the the James Bond by Warren Ellis, I think he gave Money Penny a really interesting, like, character. Like he he introduced her, and she was th- she was in the book throughout. And I believe that this book is based on his kind of like reimagining of her and the whole MI six or seven whatever James Bond program is. I didn't pay attention to that book very much. I just was reading Warren Ellis comics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and plus we've got a Tula Lote cover, which is fantastic for this story. So this this will probably be a solid one. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, for me this week, I'm super duper overly excited for something that's not an X-Men book, even though there are X-Books coming out this week. Uh, I am excited for Black Magic number seven, Greg Rucka and Nicholas Scott. Everything's back. It's time for witches, and I'm, I can't be more excited about that. Like, I, I think witch books are, are becoming a thing that I really, really enjoy. And Black Magic is overly gorgeous. Nicholas Scott's art is top-notch. Every page could pretty much be a poster that you hang on your wall. I just want this book back in my life, and I'm glad that Greg Rucker's back, getting back on the train and and keeping things going with this story. I can't really say much more than that. If you haven't read Black Magic, go pick up the first trade. The long and short of this story, if you don't know what it is, is there is a detective who works in, I can't remember, when I say Seattle, um, everything takes place in Seattle nowadays, <laughs> at least everything that I'm reading. It's very um, atmospheric. Yeah, yeah, and she is also a witch, and she's part of a coven, and something bad happens, and these this group of evil war- warlocks, if I'm not mistaken, have decided that they need to take down this coven. It's a little bit more intricate than that, but it's essentially witches and beautiful art, and Nicholas Scott, if you liked her work on Wonder Woman, that is garbage in comparison to what she's doing on black magic and that's i I believe that's saying something so black magic is going to be fantastic this week can't be more excited for it i've always liked black magic because in i think the first or second issue uh greg rucka in the letters page at the back was talking about his process of doing like background research to make sure that he was being accurate to the type of character and magic that he was trying to portray and i just really enjoy whenever um, writers do go that extra mile to make sure that they're building something accurate where someone who is involved with that world will recognize things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Greg Rucka is definitely one of those writers who does more research than he needs to, but you can see it pay off every single time you read his books. I think he kills himself over his research sometimes, but ultimately, you know, it's to our Worth benefit. Worth it for the readers. So, <laughs> yeah, so thank you, Greg Rucka, for hurting yourself for us. Oh. <laughs> Our show this week is a Goodreads pick of the month made by our Goodreads group on goodreads.com. Search for I Read Comic Books. If you're not a member, please go join so you can vote and suggest books that we read and talk about on this show and talk about on the Goodreads group. But we are talking about Old Man Logan, or I should say Wolverine Old Man Logan, written by Mark Miller with art by Steve McNiven, inks by Dexter Vines, and colors by Maury Hallowell and Christina Strain. Christina Strain, who also writes Generation X right now, so she's absolutely fantastic. But full spoilers for this whole book, just to warn you, if you haven't read Wolverine Old Man Logan, we are going to spoil the ever-living shit out of this book because we're going to tear it to pieces, put it back together, and end this episode. So, to start, Brian, Kara, who can give me a basic overview about what this story is? So, Old Man Logan is basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is all, this is not my realm of, of knowledge, so I kind of went in cold on this, like... That's great, that's great. Yeah. So, it's it's Wolverine, but it's 50 years in the future, and they're in this, like, bad guys took over dystopian wasteland, and he's, like, going on and on about how he's not the Wolverine anymore. He's not violent anymore. He's got a family. He's got a wife and kids. And there's this Hulk gang that's, like, coming by for rent. And then 
Hawkeye in the most like hilarious upgrade in his style ever (laughs) rolls up and he's like Wolverine like let's go cross country help me deliver this stuff and they go on this cross country road trip showing you this dystopian future America where basically all the heroes are dead and I have so many questions but first of all Mike (laughs) you're you're the expert here Emphasis yes. on the X. Uh, 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 I've been you. waiting for someone uh, to call me that for years. It finally happened. I'm, I'm happy to oblige. It was the obvious one. And uh, I have to know, what was the context for this story? Like, when did this come out? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, as someone who actually read this whole run of Wolverine, um, for the longest time, I was not a Wolverine fan and a good buddy of mine, Jeff, he is one of those people that will read any and all comic books because he's a very open mind, which is something I respect about him. But he was he was reading this book, Wolverine, and it had started, like, basically there was a Wolverine book from the 80s and 90s, and then it ended, and then a new version of Wolverine started. And I remember it crossed over into Civil War, and I remember asking him, hey, should I read this Wolverine book? And he gave me a good reason, which was... The art is fantastic, and it's Wolverine kind of being a badass. And I, that, at the time, I was really into like reading more violent comics. And so this story, Old Man Logan, takes place at the end of this very this kind of long, like 75-issue long run of Wolverine. And Mark Miller had taken over at one point to do this Enemy of the State run. And then Jason Aaron was writing, and Mark Miller was writing again. And then at the end, Mark Miller decided to do this whole new arc. Like, the story ended, and I can't remember what it ended on before Old Man Logan started. It was not a connection into anything into Old Man Logan. But the next arc was just fast-forward 50 years in the future, and Wolverine is this character now named Old Man Logan, or just Logan, and he's living out on this farm. So this book came out... I want to say 2008, 2009, something like that. I could have looked this up before we started, but I didn't. And no, no, it that, came that out gives of me nowhere. A feel for like where, well, like what was happening in comics at the time. Like, or, like I, I got the feel. This was a late 2000s book, but um, yeah, that's more like mid. But yeah, continue. Yeah. Some. Uh, uh, so this, yeah, came out 2009, and. The story really was out of nowhere. Like, it it was not connected to anything. It was just a, hey, let's do this story about Wolverine. There was some weird delays because of art and script and so on and so forth. But, yeah, it's it's a book that kind of like, you know, Batman Year One kind of stood out on his own. It was in the middle of a regularly published story, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. And, of course, this book was canceled at issue 75 or ended at issue 75. So this being the final moments of Wolverine was kind of awesome, except for the book got delayed. So they released two little mini one-shot issues that ended the series, and it was really bizarre. So, I don't know, this book kind of just sits in its own space and the fact that marvel's touching on it now to bring back wolverine in a way is kind of bizarre to me but yeah i I don't know does that answer the question i've kind of like lost in my own mind at this point about it no no that was that was good i just wanted the context for like i didn't know if it was created as like a graphic novel or if it was part of kind of an ongoing thing because there is an old man logan title now that's ongoing which i know is separate but building off this same concept yeah, it's it's funny because the end of this book to me, um, you know, the, with the end, and we'll get to the whole the whole actual plot of itself. But Wolverine rides off into the sunset, 
Um, in my mind, I saw that as the death of the character, as in, I'm going out to get killed. I'm going to go take down the rest of these bad guys to die. And so the fact that this character showed up during Secret Wars and showed up as a actual ongoing character kind of blew my mind because it like it basically ruins the specialness I think of this storyline by not giving him a proper ending. Um, and it's just like Marvel is pulling characters out of the woodwork in order to sell stories, and I understand that. Like that's a thing that comic book publishers do, especially the big two. But I don't know. It's it's one of those questions of is is anything sacred? And no. I already know the answer. It's not. The answer is no. So really, so going back to reread this book, kind of, I, I really had some moments of just, holy shit, I remember how awesome this book was when I read it. Like, I really remember looking at looking at the covers, I remember getting them signed by Steve McNiven and Dexter Vines. And I, I mean, let me, let me just say one thing. Dexter Vines is probably one of the greatest inkers I've ever seen, ever. This book would have been garbage if it wasn't for Dexter Vines art or inks on this page because I've seen Steve McNiven without Dexter Vines and it is not the same. And the the ink work done on this book is unbelievably good. I I just want to say that before we get even further into this. Um, So I've already got a lot of just thoughts on the table. Brian, Kara, what did you guys think of this book? Like, Kara, you said you you went in cold. Brian, I don't know how much Wolverine you've got under your belt. Um, What did you guys think? I... I thought it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. This has been the I Read Comic Book Podcast. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I suspect that this is one of those books that could not have lived up to its own reputation. Mm, I think that I had heard from too many people that Old Man Logan is a must-read. It's been on too many lists. Oh, totally. So when I finally sat down and read it, my... Big. My final thought was, yeah. I mean, this. I didn't. I didn't hate this book. I didn't have a bad time reading it. Uh, I'm also going to forget it as soon as the podcast is recorded. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> nothing. Nothing about this book is going to stick with me. I don't think. Okay. Okay. It's. It's funny you say that. Uh, Stephen from the Goodreads group said, "I actually think Old Man Logan as a concept is much better than the actual story Miller ended up telling." I always consider the original Old Man Logan story to be kind of a bloated mess, wonky fan fiction kind of stuff that plays fast and loose with one guy's ideas about a lot of Marvel characters, which um, I, th- I think kind of hits the nail on the head yeah. for some stuff with Mark Miller in general. But ultimately, I do agree with his first bit. Um, Old Man Logan as a concept is super cool, and the execution is kind of a hot mess near the end. This book frustrated me because oh. the the first half... I was like, oh, this is really cool because they, they do some really fascinating uh, world building things, which I always appreciate. Like the United States has been divided up into all these different territories. And like within the first couple issues, you see a map. You see like the, the trail that these characters are taking through the United States, which for me was helpful in terms of contextualizing what exactly their journey was because there were definitely parts of the book where all of a sudden they were like 500 miles on in their trip, but we hadn't seen what had happened to them during that time. So like those moments felt like a lost opportunity to have like Hawkeye and Logan having like banter in the spider mobile that they had for the road trip (laughs) or whatever. But this is really just going from like bad guy situation to bad guy situation. And there were so many 
moments that could be just complete stories unto their own. Like when they're in um, like the lands controlled by Doom and you very subtly find out that he's married to Emma Frost and she's got a mutant refuge going. Like yeah. that was like a couple pages of just such like, like I thought it was nuanced enough where I was like, satisfied that it wasn't as completely in your face as the rest of the book was but Mm -hmm. not so full of nuance where you can't escape the meaning and like i want a whole book about that like bump all the rest of this i want to (laughs) see emma frost's like decision making process like surviving and thriving in this like weird new world order pulling some some game of thrones machination shit exactly she's totally a cersei so it's like, <laughs> and like all of a sudden there's like dinosaurs and like. And dinosaur venom for like half a page. Right. So there's all this really cool shit that they have in this book that they totally ignore half a panel later. And I'm like, you are a waste. Like you could do a whole separate universe about this. Like, why are we following Logan? He's just whining about how he's not going to do anything. Like, yeah. Right. I feel like Logan was like the least interesting character in this book. Yeah. Totally. It's funny. Uh, Thomas from the group said, uh, the world that the team created was very interesting to me and the personalities of Logan and Hawkeye are always at their best when bouncing off someone else, which I think totally adds to your point, Brian. Like Logan wasn't interesting until he was interacting with someone else when when it became, you know, down to he's fighting some bad guys, especially at the end with Red Skull. Like he wasn't actually a character you wanted to know anything about. You just wanted to see who else he was going to run into. Yeah, I, I did kind of enjoy Hawkeye as like the the stereotypical like dirty old man. Yeah, I thought he's that was yeah. funny. Yeah, when I saw him with like he's got like this silver long hair and a ponytail and like a beard and the sunglasses and he's very Willie Nelson. He looks exactly like this dude <laughs> who ran this like ratty music shop in the college town where I went to school. <laughs> no way. So, yeah. yeah, so when I opened the page, I was like Buzzo. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Of course, his name's Buzzo. What? (laughs) So, you know. (laughs) Shout out to Buzzo um, from I Read Comic Books. Oh, my God. So, it's just, you know, that's that was my, like, moment where I was like, this is too real. Um, So, but then, like, the end, like, the last few chapters of the book was just, like, this violent, bloody rampage that just felt like such a boring cop-out. And I think that... I think that if I had read this book um, when it was coming out, um, when I was still like getting into superhero comics and was very much like going off of the tastes of others and going off of like best of lists so I could get oriented and yeah. these strange new worlds. Like if I had read this when it was coming out, I think I would have been kind of swept up in like, oh man, this is so awesome. And it like all these cool characters are like dying left and right. And they've become these like weird twisted versions of themselves. But you know, we're like a decade on and I've read it and I'm just kind of like, like I got bored. Like usually I, I read everything. I'm a completist, but the last few chapters, like I was almost flipping through them. Cause I was just like, okay, blood, 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 snicked, bub, bud. Okay. Goodbye. Like we're done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was a, there was a lot of blood in this book. More so than I remember, and I knew what this book was going in, 
I don't I don't think I've actually reread this book since it came out. So having that much time, you know, almost 10 years between reading this book, there were some very key moments that I remember in my head thinking, that is so fucking cool. What a cool, like the whole Pym Falls thing with like the giant skeleton of Pym laying across the Let's hall. talk like, about the town on. names. The town names are so great. Like, oh yeah, I mean, th- there Pym was Falls, like again, to your... the place where his skeleton is, come on, only yes, yeah. like, oh my God. Only a there really was, there, cool, hilarious person would come up with something like that. Exactly. And I think that the credit to Miller in this book should be given for those types of things. Like, he was very clever with some of the stuff. Like, it may be on the nose, and it may be kind of wonky, but at the same time, it totally fits if you just, if you put your head in, like, I really love this stuff. I really love this, the Marvel Universe. Um, it totally works. You're getting left and right little uh, little nods and little nuanced things. And it, that was so cool. And I mean... Pim Falls to, to this day will always be a moment in a comic where I went, holy shit, what an idea, because it's so smart. I, I really just, like, that right there totally solidifies, I re- like, remembering why I like the book so much. I think, like, in in this new reread, when, you know, Wolverine gets back to his home, I kind of was ready for the book to be done, despite knowing that the big fight was going to happen. I was like, let him just get back and everything be okay. He killed red skull everything's fine right and that's really not the end of it which is the unfortunate of kicking it up to 11 in mark miller stories is that he always tends to like add one more extra superfluous layer of violence or thing to the story that feels unnecessary um and i i don't mean to like shit on this book because quite honestly like there are some people in the group who really like this book and i don't think that that's wrong it's totally fine to be into this book um so we're not completely trying to shit on it but like the end of this book just grown ground against my bones in a weird way because yeah. I, I knew what was coming and i and when it happened it was just like oh this is gross well yeah, this, that, is, exactly. this is so gross it was it was gross so the whole the whole ending was just one gross out after another well, yeah, I thought and that was completely unnecessary. And that's why I got that's why I used the word frustrated when talking about this book cuz like the first half I was like, "Oh, there's some actu- there's some really interesting things going on here." And then the last half was just like a total nosedive into like every violent cliche I'm used to seeing, like desensitized to in superhero comics at this point. So I'm frustrated because this was an interesting book, but it could have been a great book. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way to sell it, um, and or to say that because it's it's unfortunate that and I think to your point before, Kara, like when you're saying if you're just getting into comics or you know you're fairly new to the X Men or something like that, like this book kicks a lot of ass, and it's kind of cool to see Wolverine take out all the bad guys and kind of win in an anti-hero way, which is at the time if if like I said I was reading a lot of Wolverine, this is how Wolverine was as a character. Um, he he was very much the anti-hero that you rooted for the same way that you would the Punisher, and you it, that means things are going to get pushed over the line. He's going to be overly violent because killing is the only way to get out of the situation. Um, so I, I think it's, it's unfortunate that we would want to say that we would want less violence when it comes to this Wolverine book because that's just not the character. At least that's not what it was 10 years ago. That's, that's I guess, my only counterpoint to that. Like, maybe if this book was double the length that it is now like yeah don't even get me started on that oh my goodness but like so so let's let's fix it let's fix old man logan if it was like double the length and you had more time to breathe and see like the little moments of logan and hawkeye's road trip and get more of a sense of 
who they are and what this world is and really just get to like sink your teeth into more of the world building moments and then have a little more time to breathe between all the gruesome deaths that are like all of a sudden back to back in the second half. I think if there were more panels, just like a little more space between all of the intense action happening that it would have been a much more satisfying story even if they retained all of the things the way they are just like adding a little bit more not like unproductive filler but just like more to make you feel like you're spending more time with these characters and really getting to know them as opposed to just saying like man I can't wait for Wolverine to totally wreck someone that's why I'm here yeah, 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 definitely. I think the the thing that yeah, to your point there, I think that the the problem with this book was that it should have been twelve issues long, right? It should have been a maxi series. We should have gotten you know half of it them going to New Babylon, or even like seven or eight, eight issues of them going to New Babylon, seeing more of the world, kind of seeing all the stuff that Wolverine had admittedly said he had not seen in fifty years. Like he went to California and he kept his head down and didn't look up. And then having, like, the last chunk of the book be him coming back, not necessarily using the Iron Man suit, but, like, having to travel back and by some slower means and, like, seeing things without Hawkeye on his side, without people recognizing him, without people knowing that he's in the Spider-Mobile, and just kind of witnessing things and going, you know, it's fine, I've got two weeks to get back to my wife and kids um, before this rent is due, and then finding out that, oh, shit, that the day before he had gotten back, they decided, oh, well, they weren't going to wait. I mean, like, it could have added a lot more, I don't know, uh used to him being violent all of a sudden like he he had to be violent against you know the red skull he's like oh shit i I shouldn't have done that and then he on the way back he's like all right you know i I need to go back to my peaceful ways re like reacclimating with with his new self um without the violence and then getting back and seeing hey the hulks were here they killed my family like this sucks something like that i don't know that would have i think would have made it a little bit easier i think that it would have been much more interesting for uh, Logan to find some kind of middle ground like so he starts off saying like you find out that he did this horrible thing like he's sworn off violence totally because he got like mentally manipulated into thinking he was killing villains when he was really killing the X-Men which is the big reveal like halfway through this series yeah. that that's what yeah. made him this way so he's totally sworn off violence and he's only going to fight when his wife and children are gruesomely killed, which like I completely hate just in terms of like yeah. the fridging aspect of it. And yep. that's when he becomes hyper violent again, which tells me that he didn't really have a character arc and he didn't really change. He just has like these hyper violent triggers and then he ignores it, but he didn't really like work through anything. He just kind of yeah. said, I'm going to ignore this oh, snap, this really terrible thing happened. Like, here I go again. But, like, nothing happened to change his character. I think it would have been much more interesting and narratively satisfying if through this trip that he did with Hawkeye, he realized things are crappy everywhere. I have the power to affect change in some way. Maybe I should use my powers for good and try to help people. And I think that would have been like showing him developing as a character as opposed to just like, Oh snap, my loved ones are dead. Guess I better like get these claws out. 
Yeah, which is, it yeah, reminds think, me a lot of uh, like choosing not to care about politics because it doesn't actually affect you personally. So it's this is almost a way of like of Wolverine engaging with his own privilege of you know he he gets to ignore how bad the world has gotten even though he could do something about it. Yeah, the fact mm-hmm. that he's he's choosing not to because he doesn't wanna. Right, so he's still not making choices. Right, like, exactly. Yeah, okay, he chose to like become violent again, but it didn't really feel like a choice. If he had made the choice to say, I'm going to start helping people. Right, Like, yeah. Okay, like he, st- like he um, er- early in the road trip when um, they see that guy that's like clinging to the top of a cross in this town that's been subsumed by those moloids, like those mole people. Yeah. And they yeah. just keep driving. He's like, we can't help him. We have to keep going. Like if we fix old man logan and then coming back like mike suggested have it be like a slow trek back like if he saw someone else who needed help in a similar situation and decided to help him just because it was the right thing to do regardless of his own personal timetable like that would have been more narratively satisfying for me yeah i think what would have been yeah to add to that i think the, the the thing that could have been done that was would have been really cool is you know they we run into these characters across the the, the whole road trip and how interesting would it have been if on the way back wolverine knows that he's got to bring down the hulk the same way that he brought down red skull and instead of doing it himself like recruited these people to say like we've got to take down this big bad and that's this is just the beginning um you know to say get dewey who's got all the control over all the ants and get you know uh Hawkeye's daughter who killed who just recently killed the kingpin you know like we already are seeing these pieces of the country start to break down what if the end was the implication that like we're not going to form a team oh wait yes we are and they're going to take back you know they're going to be the heroes they're going to take back the country or something like that like to me that would have been really cool to say like I killed my whole team but I'm going to start this new team to try to save everything and that way he doesn't have to be violent or he does you know he can be the ringleader who knows all the connections and can use his prestige that people still remember to recruit others to do the right thing and, um, I think would have been interesting and you know in the fight with the Red Skull in Washington he's like using Cap's shield to defeat him and like yeah. the whole book they're talking about how America just wants to see Captain America like come back from the dead and like fix everything. Like mm-hmm. that's a lost opportunity to have him like roll up in Cap's shield and say we are all Captain America. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Captain America um, lives in all Americans and then like start the revolution. You're totally right. That's the USA, way this should have ended. USA. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, yeah. get Emma Frost convinced that this is the winning side now. Get her to take down Doom. Ah, this mm-hmm. is such a wasted opportunity. We're fixing it, guys. We've done it. Yes, I love it. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so outside of the story, what did you guys think of the art? Like, we haven't really touched too much. I, I know I kind of had my little explosive moment at the beginning. But um, what did you guys think of the art of this book, despite all the blood? I thought it was very, very uh, well done. Uh, the colors especially really blew me away. Um. I think that they they it was the it was the art that really sold me on this being a post-apocalyptic wasteland. You know, the fact that everything was so brown and gray it really captured that feeling of hopelessness that the people in the book were supposed to be dealing with. Mhm. I was struck by the use of full-page spreads 
double page spreads, like top half double page spreads. Just really excellent use of space to convey dramatic reveals. Totally. Um, and usually without speech bubbles or words accompanying them, like again, referencing the, the Pim Falls scene. It's just a double page spread of Ant-Man's skeleton and you're like not expecting it. You open it. You're like, Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. You know? So like stuff like that, that that I thought was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I liked the Loki skeleton because of the implication that Loki died a hero. You know, I don't really care about oh. Loki as a character. Yeah, but my I know precious a lot of, little curved horn baby. Sorry. I know a lot of people do. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't let Tia hear you say that. I, I like that. That was like a a thing for those people. Like, look at the at the end of things. Loki was on the right side. Right, right. Um, I think you know Steve McNiven uh, is one is a very very talented artist. I think he he his pencils are very, very intricate. And again, I, a lot of that intricacy goes, it has to be credited to Dexter Vines. I cannot express that enough, but I think Steve McNiven knows how to deliver a page that will punch you in the gut. Like, and there are, there were some close-ups on like Wolverine's face and specifically when Wolverine's claws, you know, shows or Logan's claws, you know, are out for the first time in the book. Like there was just so much gritty detail to it. It was, amazing like it really blew my mind and i think i remember reading this book when it came out and thinking holy cow this is some of the best art in a comic book i have ever seen like and you can you can see like individual strands of hair on hawkeye's head like you you can see it throughout the whole book the intricacy of this of like the detail of the pencils in this book and i i understand why there were delays simply because of that um and I think we, we're all in agreement in saying that we'd rather have a book be delayed to get top quality art rather totally. than see something rushed. But um, I'm 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 worried to think that it maybe detracted from the what they had to actually deliver in the end to say like oh the last couple of books were taking so long that they had to cut the short story short or something because it felt like the last you know two issues were very rushed um, the giant size special in specific. But even then, like when we saw the Red Skull, like that Red Skull cover of of the the story i don't know if you if, how you guys saw the individual covers or if you saw them at all but um there is a red skull cover that is just haunting with red skull in captain america's you know hood um or cowl or whatever that's called uh yeah just like i cannot think of a more creepy insidious or insidious uh depiction of that character like despite anything else that i've seen like steve mcniven's red skull is the scariest villain i've seen in a long time strong agree um kind of deviating from the art conversation for just a minute because i just realized something like going back to my fixing old man logan (laughs) tirade so sure like you know picture if you will logan's like got the shield he's mobilizing all the troops to like head back west he goes back retraces his steps he ends up in like what used to be Vegas where Thor's hammer has fallen. And since he's been redeeming himself along the way, he's now worthy <laughs> to wield the hammer of Thor. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so all the heroes come back. <laughs> in in Wolverine, he gets to be all of the Avengers at once. Yeah. He shoots yeah. the arrows, I mean, he's got the shield. <laughs> he's he already got, got to wear like Tony's armor. Or something. Yeah, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Like that would just be like the beautiful full circle journey back. But yeah, I just yeah. needed to say that. But no, you're absolutely right about the art and like the details and like even through all the gruesomeness like there's a very 
well done artistic quality to all the gruesomeness even like it's so gross because it's so good you know yeah 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 and i mean if if you like the art in this book i would highly recommend checking out the death of wolverine that came out uh charles soul wrote and steve mcniven did the art on and if i'm not mistaken there was a different inker so that's where my like drawing the line and determining the, the better of the two books in terms of art goes but yeah like steve mcniven even in in um death of wolverine stupendous job i mean anything else you've seen mcniven on has been great too but i think he really gets the wolverine look really well and this book is proof of that if anything i thought it was interesting in here like talking about how this inspired the film logan which came out last year um, oh yeah when i when i was reading this old man logan story uh there was like a throwaway line that emma frost says to wolverine where she was like we weren't the next step in evolution we were the genetic anomaly there hasn't been a mutant in like 50 years. and then they just kind of left that so i thought that was oh, interesting yeah. that that was essentially the central conflict big reveal at the end of logan the film where you find out why that is like there's a reason behind it yeah yeah i think the the fact that this you know book inspired that movie like i will forever be grateful that this book inspired that movie because that's one of the best superhero movies I have ever seen. Um, but, you know, the, the they are far, far different outside of the initial, like, name and kind of rough concept. But, you know, there was there are some aspects of this book you could probably see in the movie. They just aren't, like, severely pronounced. Um, so, but So I really appreciate that, like, what they took from this book and put it in that movie for going to talk more about that but i know a lot of people in the goodreads group mentioned the movie in comparison because i think that's like a natural comparison but uh yeah I, I i dig it i'm happy that it exists if only to create that movie i don't know if you can really compare them because there's a very loose set of similarities between them and that yeah, logan is that, older and he's like well old. it's not my problem if it's not directly related to me and like something happened where there are no more mutants but like aside from that there's not like all of these like the, i think the whole point of old man logan like you guys mentioned earlier is that you're seeing what happened to all these different characters in the marvel universe 50 years on but the film logan was very much just logan and professor xavier and x23 yeah i mean drawing from the same name <laughs> yeah but they both had road trips, so I guess there's that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one similarity. It's like it takes uh, place in the future. There's road trips. There's a very warm color palette. Yeah, yeah, but old man Logan suffers from having Caliban. Hey, oh, I, I loved Caliban mm. in the movie. Yes, I did too. Um, okay, so um, I guess do you guys have any final thoughts on Old Man Logan? What would you would you recommend it? Would you? You know, bury it in a trash fire. What What are your like final thoughts on this book? I guess we'll start with Brian. My final thought would be that this book is worth reading, if only to have read it. I'm not saying that it's great. I'm not saying it's terrible, but I do think that to a degree it did inform comic books. I think that this book changed the way comics were told for a little while after it came out. And so by reading it, I think you give yourself some valuable context for other works. Super solid. Uh, Kara, what about you? Reading this, uh, first of all, I totally agree with Brian's assessment that 
if you're into superhero comics, this is essential reading for understanding why they are the way that they are. And about when this book started turning towards, like, let's see how much blood we can get in one page. Uh, Like I said, I lost interest. And I just started thinking of, like, what other similar concepts would I like to see instead? And almost immediately fixated on the idea of seeing an old woman Jessica Jones book. Oh, man. Like, like I really want that now on a deep level. (laughs) Yes, please. so, So my takeaway was... Like, okay, okay, Marvel, you like revisiting stuff that's made you money before. Do the old man concept, but take your Jessica Jones fans from the Netflix show and give me old woman Jessica Jones and let her be grumpy and let her like grow as a character and kick butt. Like, let her come out of an alcoholic stupor to save the world. Let's do this. Oh, my God. Like, 75-year-old Jessica Jones, still, like, youngish looking, like, drunk off her ass. That's, yes. I'm I'm ready for that book. I am ready for that book. Make it happen. (laughs) They could do, like, they did, like, Edge of Spider-Verse, Edge of Venom-Verse. We could do, like, Edge of Olden-Verse or something, (laughs) where it's just, like, visiting the old person versions of of different characters in each issue. I can dig it. And then creating a team of geriatrics (laughs) that have to, like, save the multiverse. I think my, I'm here for it. Like, I think my other takeaway from from this book, which I didn't even realize at the time, was so I was live tweeting my reading adventure, and yes, at one point I took a picture of this character and who I had no idea who it was because I had like started oh, so- laughing out loud when I saw his like multi fanned headdress. Yeah, and, it looks like one of those uh, things used to chop nuts. My exactly. mom had one of those. It has little little wavy blades. So I'm like. I, so, you know, I've been reading more about the Marvel Universe, but I still don't really know who everyone is. So I tweeted, like, who the hell is this? And a couple people got back to me and they were like, oh, that's Strife with a Y. Yeah. He's a clone he of a is, clone. Of course it is. And so I was like, okay. So I, I looked Strife up on the Marvel website. They've got, like, official bios for characters. And the picture that they chose for him is, like, the first thing you see is these enormous metal nipples on the front of his costume. And yeah. why? <laughs> That'll go in the show notes, folks. So, just, so just right there, wait. so right there, I'm like '90s much, and, like, and the kicker is just, they're like metal areolas too. They're not yes. just like a single thing pointing out. They're like rings. Like. <laughs> exactly. So I'm looking at this character and like the goofiness of this character at this moment when he's supposed to be like, guess what, Wolverine? Like everyone's dead. It's like I'm just laughing at his goofy looking headdress, man. And then finding out that he's like the son of Cable, who's the son of Cyclops, but also he's a clone maybe, and his consciousness has been hopping around. I'm like, this is peak comic books. This is like yes. peak superhero comic books. I can't deal. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I one, learned a I thing. One, one other final note that, Carrie, you pointed out, and I immediately thought when I was reading the book, there's no way in hell that Wolverine would name his son Scott. Thank you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no way in hell. No way. <laughs> like, I know very little about the X-Men compared to people who have been reading it their whole lives. But, yeah. like, I know that there's way too much animosity there <laughs> yeah. for that to have been a reality. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, So, for my final thoughts, I guess, on this book, I would say I, I agree with... with with Brian and Kara, but you know, we're all on the same page here, I think. But uh, yeah, this is definitely a book you should read. This is a book you may not like, but it is a very solid Wolverine story 
in the sense that it gets you in the head of what comics were like in you know 2008 2009 and really like this is going this is an iconic book it's a book that's going to be around for at least another decade in terms of people referencing it this is the dark knight of the marvel universe as far as the 2000s are concerned and it's it's a big book it and I mean, Mark Miller, you know, we shit on him constantly because, you know, he's a big name and nothing's ever going to come of it, I guess. But, um, you know, he does have some solid ideas. I think you can look at his independent work. You can look at what he's done at Marvel. And he does a great job in delivering a really cool concept. Sometimes it doesn't always pay off. I think Old Man Logan on the whole does pay off if you're looking for a violent Wolverine book. If you're looking for a book where Wolverine goes absolutely berserk which is what a lot of people i think are looking for when it comes to wolverine this is a perfect example of that and i would also recommend his enemy of the state book that um he did at marvel during the actual wolverine run earlier in this big long run of wolverine from the early 2000s so wild stuff great i mean we did two Mark Miller books in a row. Here's hoping we don't do another one for the next Goodread book. Goodreads read, if only to maybe get away from superhero books, or maybe just to get away from Mark Miller for a quick minute. Um, we should anyways, have a range, so, a range of different yeah. comic experiences. I mean, in looking at the survey this month, um, it looks pretty solid so far. So we'll see how the votes turn out by the end of this month. Um, they won't won't be finished by the time this episode airs, but they will be ready for September first. Um, so. Look forward to that. Go vote if you haven't. Um, that's something we always encourage on people. So let's round off the end of the show. Um, as always, you can follow us all on Twitter. Uh, where can we find you on the internet, Brian? You can find me on the internet at Brianhead on Twitter. You're not a mountain. I love saying that. I think that's yes. the funniest thing in the entire there, world. There is a Brianhead ski resort. That is not me. <laughs> um, you can also follow me on Tumblr at uh, Morphophoneme. Good luck trying to spell it. <laughs> yeah. um, if you can find it, you deserve to find. Yeah, follow him. You can enjoy all these pictures of cats that I reblog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kara, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, on Twitter, I am at Kara S Z A M, and on Medium, where I blog about Riverdale, I'm at Kara S Z A M. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at, at Mike Rappin, Instagram Mike Rappin. Um, not on Tumblr. I mean, I'm on Tumblr, but it's just an Instagram feed. But you can also find me on Medium at Mike Rappin, where I'm currently, as I have been saying for the last couple weeks, writing about the X-Men every week to answer some questions posed to me by everyone's favorite best friend, Renee, who's on the show sometimes. Um, he asked me some bizarro questions, and I'm doing my best to answer them. This most recent post, I believe, was all about Iceman, and it came out yesterday i don't know i set it up i posted it the wrong day but i did an, an issue or a post all about iceman and i really really enjoyed it because i actually got to talk to cena grace about iceman i won't stop talking about the fact that i got to talk to him about it and uh yeah so i added some really cool stuff there um you can also follow the show at ircb podcast ircb podcast on twitter where we post and retweet weird stuff but we also ask questions every friday such as who is the best comic dad and for some reason master splinter isn't winning because you know he lives in a sewer and he hangs out and gives his kids pizza all the time i mean he's the best dad right alfred's also in the list so you know we can i'm going on twitter i'm going on twitter and i'm voting right now that's ridiculous splinter's the shit please please you can also uh, join us on our Goodreads group if you'd like to participate in the voting that leads to wonderful episodes like this. Oh, yeah. We also have weekly threads. We've got discussions with lots of great people. Uh, you'll get to suggest what we read. So if you're sitting there stewing about how we've done our second Mark Miller book in a row and we haven't done 
you know, Giant Days Volume 1 or something like that, go ahead and suggest <laughs> it. Suggest it. We'll vote on it. Maybe that's what you'll hear next time. Mm-hmm. We also have our website at ircbpodcast.com. I see that Mike gave me the correct URL to read this time. I did. <laughs> so I did. thank you for that, Mike. Fini- uh, you're, fixing you're, that stuff up. You're a good boy. Yeah, it's a nice place where we just post all of our episodes and you can get some in-depth show notes. It's pretty great. Please rate, subscribe, and tell your friends about us because we're great and we think you're great and we think we can all be greater together with more people. And you, and you can email the show at ircb at destroythesibe.org. And please reach out. We love talking to you. Yeah, super duper shout out to Danny who wrote into us with this very heartfelt email. I think I shouted out last week too, but I, I just can't get over it. It's still sitting in my inbox. It makes me smile a bunch. Um, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe, and they also do our music. They do all the music for the show, and they're the absolute best. Um, Xander, he falls from the sky twice a year to bless us with his essence, and he also edits the show. So thank you for blessing us with your presence, Xander. Um, finally, I want to say thank you to everyone who listens to the show, who rates, subscribes, reaches out and talks to us, favorites our tweets, responds to me and everybody else in the show on Twitter, and gives a shit about the stuff that we talk about. So thank you so much for talking to us and engaging with us. We really love all of our fans, and thank you for listening. We will check you next week. 